It's a college baseball Tuesday. Let's talk about it. You are locked on MLB prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And once again, YouTube listeners get the uh, the excitement of seeing part of my mother's house with her lovely houseplants here, uh, recording remotely from Dallas, where I was here to take in Braves versus Rangers for a three-game set. Uh, but we're here to talk college baseball on this Tuesday, and specifically some of the big games over the weekend, we have to start with national number one, Tennessee. Welcomed Auburn for a top 25 series. And despite what the scores looked like, all three games were close. Sunday's finale goes to Tennessee five to three. Uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday, Auburn actually, you know, Auburn wins that game. Friday was 17 to four Tennessee over Auburn, but still a close game. Auburn leads that game in the seventh inning stretch. Only the second time all year that Tennessee's had to play a series-deciding game on Sunday. So, first team in the country to reach 40 wins. Uh, Magic number to win the SEC is now five. Consensus number one, they're going to stay there, and they got a lot of contributions from a lot of their their draft-eligible guys. So, they've got five draftable players in the top 150 right now. Outfielders Jordan Beck and Drew Gilbert. Uh, third baseman Trey Lipscomb, and then right-hand pitchers Blade Tidwell and Ben Joyce. Blade Tidwell, second start of the season. He's replaced Chase Dollander in the rotation. Uh, Blade Tidwell did not look like the preseason All-American that we expected him to. Struggled with his control a bit, walked four, four batters in two and two-thirds innings. Kind of a reminder that after the shoulder injury, he's still working his way back. So you can't necessarily expect him to look like an All-American right away. And that Auburn lineup definitely made him pay. But Ben Joyce more than picked up for that. Everybody knows Ben Joyce by now. Has tons of velocity out of the bullpen. Had his best outing of the season on Sunday. Came in relief through four scoreless innings, six strikeouts, only one hit allowed, new runs. And hit 105.5 on the radar gun. Now, I'm waiting for TrackMan data. I think that, especially when you get to college, sometimes these radar guns are juiced a little bit. But 105.5 would be the second fastest pitch in uh, baseball, from from what I understand. So everybody's going to make a big deal out of that. I think the bigger deal here is this is the first time he's thrown more than two innings. He had 18 appearances this year, none of them more than two innings. Obviously, goes out and throws four. So definitely something, if he can build off that performance, take on more high average, high leverage innings and do more, uh, that's a great sign for his climb up the draft boards. Flip around this and you talk about this Auburn team. Became the second team to beat Tennessee at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Led Friday's game in the seventh inning before it got out of hand. Uh, we're tied in the eighth inning of game three. So no team has come closer to winning a series against Tennessee than this Auburn team has. We don't really believe in moral victories, but their RPI, they go, remember we talked about them trying to get that hosting, that third hosting slot in the SEC over a Georgia team with the top 15 RPI. Auburn's RPI jumps all the way up to third. 
that combined with a top 10 strength of schedule because they play in the SEC West and they play these tough teams probably means instead of having to win eight more games as they entered last weekend to secure a regional, you're probably looking at five now. They have a a three-game set against Arkansas coming up. We'll preview that in the second segment, as well as um, games series against Alabama, series against Kentucky. So definitely some places where they cannot stop and take a break. Uh, Outside of that, Virginia and Virginia Tech, really interesting series here. So both teams, top 10 in the 25, tied in the ACC, both trying to get a hosting spot for the regional, and the weekend delivered. They split the first two games. Virginia Tech won 5-2 on Friday. Virginia won 6-3 on Saturday. And it was something where um, Virginia took a 4-0 lead in the second inning for the finale. Virginia Tech comes back. That, That amazing offense went to work won the series seven to five. So Virginia Tech, a game ahead of Virginia in the ACC standings, now number four in the top 25 and number five in RPI. So they only have two home series left. They've got Louisville, who is a good team this year, 31 and 12, and Duke under 500, 19 and 23. So it looks like they're not only going to be able, this is Virginia Tech, not only going to be able to host a regional, but probably get a top eight national seed which means if they advance out of that regional, they probably get to host a super regional. So absolutely big thing there. And again, it was the offense. We've talked so much about Gavin Cross. Uh, It looks like he's going to be a top 15 pick still, 341, 430, 653 on the season, 10 home runs, seven RBIs. But again, one of those guys, he's not even in the top three or four uh, in OPS on this team. He's still playing like a top 15 draft prospect, but there's so many guys from this team whether it's a Jack Hurley, it's a Tanner Schobel, just a ton of guys who are playing fantastic. You combine that with the rotation of Griffin Green and Drew Hackenberg. Uh, this is a very dangerous team. They are young for the most part. A lot of these guys, with the exception of Cross, are underclassmen. But definitely a team that you have to be mindful of and you have to watch out for as we go on. When you look through around some of the rest of the slate, uh, I can't figure out the Big 12. Uh, We saw last week that Oklahoma State lost the home series to TCU, so they fell out of first place in the Big 12. They had to go to Texas and Texas Tech. Didn't quite know it was going to happen. They go out there, sweep Texas this weekend. So they're now back in first place. Oklahoma State's in first place by a game over TCU. They've only got six games to play, so we're going to be sprinting here to the finish to figure out who's going to win the Big 12. Flip side of this, they take on Southeastern Missouri State this weekend, So TCU has conference games and Oklahoma State doesn't. So big confusing thing as far as what's going to happen in the Big 12, who's going to get that top eight seed out of that conference. Pretty sure it's not going to be Texas. Texas is now 500 in Big 12 play. They're nine and nine, uh, 31 and 16 overall, and just probably going to be out of it. But then, and one of the teams that this is the biggest wild card of the entire Uh, season for me, and I want to talk about a specific player from this team later, but Georgia Tech. So when Georgia Tech is on, they can beat anybody in the country. When they're not, they can lose to anybody in the country. They lost to, they they lost the weekend series to Duke, last place in the ACC Coastal Duke. And then this week, they go and they, they, they win the series against first place Miami. So their wins, they beat Florida State now, they beat Georgia, they beat Miami, they beat Virginia Tech. All four of those teams 
are in the top 25. They're probably all, if not going to host, they were at least contending to host. Georgia Tech has 15 wins against teams in the top 50 of RPI. So if they can get more consistent over the next month, if they can kind of figure out exactly what it is that they're trying to do, they are definitely going to be a threat going forward as we get towards the regionals. In just a minute, I want to tell you about some of the amazing games to watch out for this upcoming weekend. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. With spring in the air, it is a time for renewal and growth personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. They give you simple tools like screening questions, makes it very easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading candidates. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we also want to give a big thank you to our sponsors, our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. I just got an email in my inbox about 20 minutes ago from Jimmy Shapiro, uh, all with the new, brand new, updated Rookie of the Year odds. They're not going to hit the site until tomorrow. So you're going to get that. And tomorrow, sure, we're going to break down the American League and the National League Rookie of the Year races and how these guys are doing. But in the meantime, you can get all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news. Uh, basketball playoffs, obviously MLB stuff going on. Hockey is still doing stuff. UFC has matches. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, playoff odds, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. So this weekend, really couple interesting matchups. Uh, before we do that, I do want to kind of take a glance at the top 25. We've seen some big changes in the top 25, as well as the projections of the eight teams to make it to Omaha. So Tennessee, obviously still number one. Oregon State's moved up to number two. Oklahoma State takes the big jump here with the sweep of Texas. They're now up from eight to number three. So Great position where they are right now. Virginia Tech moves up into the top five. Arkansas goes from 10 to five. So look at that Auburn team. That Auburn team gets the national number one and then the national number five. Uh, But just really interesting as far as what we're looking at. And when you look at some of the projections for who's going to go to Omaha, it feels like every week we have less and less clarity. Like, is Oklahoma State going to get that Big 12 slot? I feel good in Tennessee going. I feel good in Arkansas going. Uh, I think Oregon State's going to be the representative from the Pac-12 when they finally get to Omaha. Um, Southern Mississippi looks like they're going to be, there's always that one team, that one non-Power 5 team that makes it. Southern Mississippi looks to be that team this year. Um, But then from the ACC, you know, I've seen projections where people think it's going to be Miami and Virginia and Virginia Tech all make it. Virginia Tech, I think, is a good option there. Good one-two punch in the rotation. Fantastically powerful offense. Uh, not as sure about Miami simply because the pitching after Carson Palmquist, but I definitely think that there's a lot of questions still. And June, either way, is going to be tons of fun. You probably have a good 20 teams right now that could make the College World Series. And so 
going to be tons of fun to watch this in June. But some of the uh, great matchups we have coming up this weekend. So Oregon and Oregon State have played four games. Really interesting how this works. So they play a non-conference game Tuesday at Oregon. Uh, not going to count towards conference standings, but they they go – so Oregon State goes to Oregon on Tuesday. And then after that, Oregon goes to Corvallis for the weekend series. Now, Oregon State leads Oregon by two games in the standings. So obviously, big rivalry game, both teams working on hosting, but then also bragging rights of the rivalry. I think the winner of this series is probably the one who's going to get one of those top eight seeds if if the Pac-12 gets one. I think they will. I think it's going to be Oregon State. Uh, we've talked for a while on this show about Cooper Herpe and how great of a pitcher he is. I think he's going to carry them through this. But Oregon, Oregon State, going to be a great rivalry to watch. Uh, number five, Arkansas traveling to number 21, Auburn. So Arkansas right now has a two-game lead in the West on that pack there of Auburn, LSU, and Texas A&M. Auburn holds the tiebreakers against both of those teams. So Arkansas has a chance here. If they can win the series against Auburn, they can probably lock down the SEC West now and secure that top eight. Uh, seating so they can get a home super regional if they make it. They're 14 and 7 in conference right now. Auburn's 12 and 9. Obviously, Auburn just came off that tough loss at Tennessee. It looks like they may have lost their Friday night starter, Hayden Mullins. He came out after, I believe it was uh, an inning in a third. Uh, no word yet as to what that might be as a showtime, but the fact that they weren't able to say it was something minor means it's probably going to be it for him and they have to kind of scramble there. So Arkansas has a chance to come in and quickly put put the division aside. But this Auburn team is feisty. This Auburn team has come back multiple times. We talked about it in the first segment, how much we have seen, um, like how close this Auburn came team to knocking off Tennessee this weekend. So going to be a great matchup there. And then you've got what's probably going to decide the Big Ten title this weekend. Number 19, Maryland, going to New Jersey to play Rutgers. Um, uh, Rutgers right now, 15 and three in conference. They were seen as uh, the first place team. Like, I'm sorry, they are the first place team in the Big Ten. Maryland was that team when we did the preview. We talked about they're probably going to be the best team in this conference, uh, just skill wise, outcomes wise. So they're 11 and four in conference, 15 and three Rutgers. I think the winner of this is probably going to end up winning the Big Ten. And what's interesting here is both these teams have really great pitching staffs. But different skills. Maryland has a great rotation. Rutgers has a great bullpen. So what you're probably going to see when you watch these games is you're going to see Maryland have a lead early and then not be able to score late while Rutgers gets shut out early and then throws, in, throws up late runs. And so either way, going to be really dramatic games, going to be really interesting games. And <laughs> if you're one of these hitters, I feel bad for you. Um, if you're a pitcher, I feel bad for you whenever you have to face Kevin Prada, and I want to talk about him in just a minute. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of vehicles, it's nearly impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. You're going to go in. They're going to ask you the questions. Hey, is this an Odyssey LX or an EX? Is it a sport? Uh, what package is it? 
And then they're going to look up the stuff on their computer just to walk back in the back and figure out it's not on the shelf and they're going to ship it to you anyway. Instead, you have a computer in your pocket with access to rockauto.com. So save time and money that way. Rock Auto is a family business serving DIYers for over 20 years with reliable low prices for every customer. You go into rockauto.com, you put in the year, the make and model of your car. It shows you every single part they sell, new carpet, brake pants. Uh, parts, tail lamps, motor oil, whatever it might be. The example that I've given before is I had to get a paint touch-up kit. So I put in the info for my wife's car and it said, okay, what paint color is it? Here is the sticker in the car, exactly where it is. This is the code we need to tell you exactly what color it is. I put that code in and it said, boom, here's your touch-up paint kit. Everything you could possibly need to fix the paint on your wife's car, seal it and all of that. So go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck, right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So there is something in the water at Georgia Tech, and I don't know what it is, but they generate a ton of great catchers, and Kevin Parada looks to be the next of that group. So when you're watching, I mean, his season, absolute tear. He's played 45 games this year. He's batting 381, 467, 794. So it's an OPS of 1261. He has 23 home runs, nine doubles in, uh, in 194 at-bats. He's even stolen five out of six bases. And so, so I don't necessarily know what, exactly what they're doing and how this works. But I, I I got a question when we talked about the mock draft last week and somebody said like, why do the Pirates have so many young catchers? And then even though he's a great talent, would you draft Kevin Parada if you have a catcher? And the answer to this, I think, kind of comes down to strategy. But when it comes to the MLB draft, don't draft for need. You draft for talent. So many of these players take three or four or five years if you're getting a high schooler to make it to the big leagues. So by the time you do that, the guy that you probably have at that position is no longer going to be there, especially in the first round. Don't worry about a positional logjam. And there's really not a lot of positions where this is really an issue. Catchers may be the only one. Like you take a shortstop in the first round, that shortstop can play second base, can play third base, can play a corner outfield, maybe even a center field. Bobby Witt Jr. has been playing third until the uh, the injury to Alberto Mondesi for Kansas City. C.J. Abrams got called up. They've used him in the outfield some. O'Neill Cruz for the Pirates. He's been playing in the outfield some at AAA. He needs to be playing short at the major league level. Made that point last Friday. A second or third baseman can probably swap to a corner right there. Probably play in the outfield. Um, we saw the Braves. They called up Austin Riley. They had a third baseman. They moved Austin Riley to left field to get his bat in the lineup. Uh, obviously pitching, you can take as many pitchers as you want. The the Angels took 20 pitchers in the draft last year. The only problems, when, like the only place you might even possibly have this positional logjam is first base or catcher. And even first base, it relieves it a bit because you have the DH. But let's do this. There's a great piece in Baseball America where they did this. They said, okay, so the Giants had Buster Posey, and yet – in 2018 and 2019, they took catchers in the first round in back-to-back drafts. And this year, Joey Bart, the 2018 first rounder, is the starter. 
So they said like that took care of itself, but the top 30 catchers in 2018, how many of them are still with the team that drafted them? So if you took a catcher at that time, uh, what would have happened? Five of those 30 catchers, and this is top 30 by number of games caught in that season, five of those top 30 are still with the same team they were with in 2018. And one of those, Martin Maldonado, uh, left Houston, played somewhere else, and then came back. So if you were any other, any other team, the odds are, even if you have a stud at catcher, you could have gone out and drafted a catcher, and the odds say he would now have a sp- spot to play every day because you have very few positional log jams in MLB. And we've seen like Kansas City right now has an upper level positional log jam of catchers. Um, they have Salvador Perez, obviously last year's catcher home run leader. I think he was the first catcher to be in the home run derby. Well, he can play some DH. We saw some of the guys coming up behind him. They're, they're trying them out in the outfield. They're playing first base. You have multiple options, especially with the universal DH, where you don't necessarily uh, – you can carry two of those guys and you can play them. The Braves called up top catching prospect William Contreras because of an injury, and they've tried him in the outfield. They've used him at DH. They're able to get his bat in the lineup. So don't be, don't be worried about your team – drafting a guy for someone who like when there is a person in that spot already odds are depth like i say depth will always work itself out it's going to be a great great week of shows coming up again tomorrow we're talking all about uh the rookie of the year race we're assessing what's happening there as well as some other great guests coming up later this week including a fantastic farm friday if you have questions for the show reminder we do mailbags every monday i'm on twitter at crosby baseball the show's on twitter at locked on farm or you can email us locked on mlb prospects at gmail.com until then this has been locked on mlb prospects